You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. Awesome being with you today. Today we're starting a three-sermon series in the Christmas story. Uh, Today, the 12th and the 19th. And any one of you that heard me say that before today, you're like, what? That is not like you. You're right. This is not normally me. I'm actually not a big fan of holiday-themed messages. Usually for the sake of the congregation, I get the Sunday before Christmas and focus on Christmas. But other than that, we stay in our series right through December and other holidays. That's normally me. I've always thought that holiday-themed messages become too familiar. Year after year, it's basically the same stuff, and they can lose their meaning. Growing up in the denomination I did, it was the same service every Christmas season, services. Practically the exact same message And so I've tried to stay away from that. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be as much as possible powerful, not old, not stale. Oh, we heard this before. There was no room at the inn. You think one of these years there'd be room at the inn, but it never changes. (laughs) You think they'd know they're coming by now. So this year, though, it's different. I really don't know why, and I'm okay with it. I'm more than okay with it. For some reason, I sense, man, I'm not sure why, but for some reason we were to put a hold on our series through Acts, possibly up till January 2nd and start in the new year. Along with that, I've been having this strong impression I am to address a Christmas theme this December. Are you okay with that? How many are okay with that? That's what I figured. I'm going to have to find another congregation for next Christmas. (laughs) Or Easter. This is strange, but let's get going. Deb, will you come to the microphone? Deb's going to read Luke chapter 1, and I added a couple verses, 1 through 25. I actually had Deb and Deborah reading today, but I saw that's getting way too long. We need to cut this sermon probably into two next, this week and next week. Stand with, uh, with us. Deb's going to read the word. We're going to stand to exalt the word. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. What do you think? Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to, the, to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Thelophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of 
Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Thanks, Deb. You may be seated. First thing I learned from that reading is don't mess with angels, man. <laughs> you better believe what they tell you. So today's format, I'll give you a theological word here. It's an exegesis. Anybody know what that means? An exegesis? To exegete a passage, it simply means we're going to go through this passage that read the narrative, and we're going to give the meaning, briefly comment on it, and then try and make some relevant today application to what we read. So we'll start with Luke 1, 1 to 4. Many people have set to write, out to write accounts about the events that have been filled among us. There are books about Jesus all over the world. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything, key phrase, from the beginning, I have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, uh, a friend of his who was a Roman official, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. You know, these rumors were reaching Theophilus. Luke was going to clear them up for him. 
There were already some accounts of what had been happening in the area surrounding Jesus from his birth to his death, but Luke sets out to write his own account. He wants an accurate and an exhaustive account of Jesus Christ and all that related to his birth, his life, and his ministry. And he says he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Luke always begins at the beginning, the very beginning. <clears throat> Deb told me not to do this, but I'm, not, I'm going to do it anyhow. <laughs> Let's start at the very beginning. That's a very fine place to start. How was that, Deb? That wasn't too bad. Luke always begins at the beginning. Now listen, for Luke, the Christmas story, that story we're so familiar with, the story of the birth of God's son, Jesus, actually begins somewhat earlier with the story of the birth of Zechariah's son, John. Didn't it sound strange when Deb said, the angel said, and his name will be John? We always hear, and his name shall be Jesus. This is happening before that angelic visitation. So let's have a look at this little-known biblical character, Zechariah, and his son, John. They were so important in the narrative that we call the Christmas story. There wouldn't have been one without them. Luke felt he could not leave this information out and give an accurate account to Theophilus. Luke 1, 5-7, when Herod was king of Judah... There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. But they had no children because Elizabeth was now unable to conceive. They were both very old. Hmm. Right. So Luke gives us a detailed biography of this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, unknowns living in the land of Israel. They were both from priestly lines. This is still Old Testament. That's very important in Jewish culture. They were both from legitimate priestly lines. By their lineage, they were considered important and highly favored people. And they lived up to their lineage, their lineage up to their roles. They both were righteous in God's eyes. A husband and wife living for the Lord. That was not all that common in Israel at that time. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments, all his regulations, wholeheartedly committed to the Lord and serving the Lord together. Here's the application. That's the information. Now, here's the application. There is something very special about God's people, those of God's people in any generation who take it seriously. So many professing believers who don't know or who don't seem to care for whatever reason about living wholeheartedly for the Lord, coming to know him and gaining fire insurance, keep you out of hell, but then just living your own life. So many professing believers. We don't understand in the church today obeying, trusting, serving him completely. Here's what I want you to remember. 
God is so pleased with his people, he delights in his people who are wholeheartedly committed to him. Those of his people who love him with all their hearts, souls, minds, and strength, you know that is the first commandment. It's not to go out and preach. It's not to go out and witness. They're all important. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, wholeheartedly. Those who trust him and acknowledge him in all their ways. He delights in them. He blesses them richly. Now, listen to me and look up at me because I want you to hear this. God is pleased with many of you because you are wholeheartedly committed to him. That doesn't go unnoticed. It also doesn't mean we're completely kept from the tough times, but it doesn't go unnoticed, and God is delighted in his people who are wholly committed to him, and that's many of you. I am so pleased with this congregation and your commitment to the Lord. I delight in you. So another thing to note from that passage we read at the end, it just happened to mention Elizabeth was never able to have children, and now she was very old. She was past childbearing age. Hmm. Did you ever hear that before in Scripture? Like over and over again. A few times. At least barren womb, maybe not always past the childbearing age. Names like Abraham and Sarah ring a bell. I got a feeling reading this that Luke might be just setting the stage for a mighty miracle of God, giving us that information. They can't have kids. They're too old. Hmm. Not a problem for God. Amen. Good place for an amen. Nothing's impossible for the Lord. So I want to see you guys start bringing those children into this congregation. (laughs) Deb and I did our part. We were in our 40s when we had Morgan. And she's been a blessing. More on Zechariah. I don't know what they're talking about over here, so I'm just going to go on. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple. He was, he was on duty that week. And while Zechariah was in the temple, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. An angel of the Lord, or an angel, appeared to Zechariah. Man, I'm telling you something that's becoming obvious to me in Scripture that I never paid much attention to in the past. Often before a mighty move of God hits the earth, before God begins to move, angels start showing up. And giving messages to God's people. You know, in Hebrews it says, angels are ministering spirits to those doing God's bidding, to those who are inheriting salvation. Angels minister to us. I don't know how to break it down between God the Father doing something, Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or angels. But I've learned from from Scripture, angels minister to God's people. I think much more than we realize. They start giving messages to God's people, letting them know that God is about to move. God speaks through his prophets. God speaks through his angels. God speaks through his Holy Spirit. God speaks through so many ways. 
to let us know, to prepare. He's going to do something. And what our role in that is. This is a truth throughout Scripture. We're going to see angels all throughout the Christmas story. And when we finally get back into Acts chapter 12, we're going to see angels there in operation on behalf of the church. Highly getting involved in the work of God among his people. Here in Luke, God is about to move mightily in the earth. He's about to send in the Savior. Been waiting for a long time. The earth was waiting for a long time. And it's time. And God's about ready to send in the Savior. And now he's preparing the way for that to happen. And angels are involved. If you've been following some of the voices in Christianity, speaking in Christianity today, and in the church today, especially some prophetic voices, if you read some of their books, the materials they're writing, angels are being mentioned quite frequently. I never had really much time for that theology. But all of a sudden, it's all around. I don't know a whole lot about angels, to be honest with you. But that doesn't mean they're not real. And this isn't true. And we may have to learn some more about that. God is so cool. He takes us to certain levels. And then he's like, I'm going to tweak I'm going to tweak it so you can go to the next level. Angels are being mentioned quite frequently, quite, quite frequently today in the setting of the church, a sign of a mighty move of God. Perhaps some of us, maybe some of you have already experienced angelic visitation in this current move of God. The question will be, are we open to that? Or does our theology say, no, that's too out of the box. Can't happen. Let's see what the angel had to say to Zechariah. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You are to name him John. That's the first thing in all the accounts I've read that angels say to humans. Don't be afraid. They must be awesome creations of God because everyone that's reported seeing them for the most part is paralyzed at first with fear I think it's an unnerving thing in the natural to have an angel appear to you I don't even know if I really want that Deb I know you've seen an angel over on A Street and that was confirmed by somebody else in the congregation have any others in here have seen or had an experience with an angel? Just a curiosity question. Wow. Not many of us, but some hands went up. Continuing with what the angel had to say to Zechariah, God's heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You're to name him John. We knew that was coming, right? As soon as Luke told us that she was barren, couldn't have a kid, she was too old, we knew this was coming. Not even original. The story's beginning to sound like Abraham and Sarah, but listen to this. Out of that old age, that barren womb of Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's womb, Abraham being beyond the age, came the nation Israel. Came the nation Israel. Descendants more numerous than the stars of the sands, the stars of the sky, the sands along the sea. The people of that generation do not know it yet. The players in this narrative, 
Remember, everybody was waiting for Zechariah. They wondered why it took him so long. He came out, and they're like, whoa, something definitely happened in there. But they don't know yet what it is. But there is a sense in the people growing that something big is brewing. And for the nation Israel, for the, appoint, the Messiah, the appointed one to appear, doesn't get any bigger than that. Something huge is coming, and they could sense it. God is on the move. Application, parallel us today. Many in the church, not just our church, in the church, have sensed for a while now. There's a great move of God about to hit the earth. Man, that was a little weak, but I guess I'll have to take it. There's a great move of God afoot right now. It has already begun. It's going to intensify. And I've said this before, and I don't mean it to be harsh, but it is true. God's going to do this with or without us, with or without you. The choice is to fully participate in what God is doing, but he's going to do it. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to miss it for any reason. You will have regrets. Am I saying you'll lose your salvation? No. God won't love you? No. I'm saying you're going to have many regrets if you miss this. We don't quite have all the details, but... He got our attention today. I'm speaking as if I was in that crowd outside the temple. Luke 1.15, I want to make some very relevant application here. I would really like you to listen. You may or may not agree with me. That's okay. I want you to listen. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Did you ever see that before? He, was filled, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Some things in here of great importance to us today. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Did you catch that? Before his birth. Before he's born. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning in the womb, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. At some point along the process of conception and being born out into the world, the atmosphere, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. You following this? I'd like to hear a good yes on that. Are you following this? Here's the application. Abortion is an extremely important topic and evil practice in America. In our nation at this time... 60-plus million lives have been snuffed out before their birth over the past five, six decades or more. By the way, you may or may not know this, we have at least two states that have approved post-birth abortion. The baby's born, they set the baby aside, and they determine if they're going to terminate the life. And there's a reason for that, because they're after the beating heart. That brings in big bucks. Yeah, two states in our nation have already approved the law. And when one approved it, they lit up buildings in their city to rejoice over it. This is bringing a curse on our nation. There's no doubt that this verse should be considered in any thinking when there's pro-life, pro-choice debate. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. Think about that. How does God view babies in the womb, not just this baby, all through Scripture? How does God view babies in the womb, a blob of fetus? Or an extremely valuable life with great purpose to be released on the earth? Sixty-plus million lives never fulfilled God's purpose for them on the earth. Who knows where we'd be, what we'd have, the advancements we would have, had those babies not been snuffed out. Because of our theology, we believe there's good news. They're in heaven with the Lord. That's somewhat comforting. But what about all the purposes and plans that weren't accomplished on the earth? And on that note, I want you to notice the purpose of this baby that was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. This currently unborn child would lead the nation Israel into great revival just prior to the arrival of Jesus on the scene. And it says he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He was going to prepare the people for Jesus' coming. That was his role. Jesus told his apostles, if you can accept this, John is the Elijah that must come and prepare the way from Old Testament prophecy. It isn't Elijah he came in the spirit of Elijah. So in case, in case you haven't guessed by now, this baby, this John, is John the Baptist. And his ministry is what is sometimes called a forerunner ministry. His role was to prepare, to go before, to come before. His role was to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. His role was to help the people prepare their hearts to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Messiah. Relevant application for us. John was to tell people about Jesus, prepare them for Jesus to come and enter their hearts and lives. Can you see the parallel purpose between John's ministry and our ministry and CCF? We're to be telling people about Jesus. We're to be preparing them for him to come into their life and enter into their hearts. That's our ministry. It's a forerunner ministry. We're preparing people for the Lord. Next slide, more from the angel. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. That seems like a natural response, doesn't it? Doesn't seem like anything wrong with that to me. I don't know what his attitude was. We only have the words. Well, let's see what the angel thinks about his response. Then the angel said, hey, I'm Gabriel. Hey, he's one of the big shots. He and Michael, they're two of the big shots in heaven. This is what he says. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now... Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Can you imagine what Zechariah must have been thinking at that time? Why did I ask that question? Stupid. <laughs> have you ever thought that? Why don't I just keep my mouth shut? Because now it's going to be shut. Unbelief when God is clearly speaking can be a very costly thing. 
We've seen that all through Scripture. We see it many times. Now, Zechariah's unbelief, it cost him his voice, the ability to speak for several months. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. She went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Then Elizabeth gave birth to a son. They wanted to name him Zechariah, but Elizabeth said, no, we got ourselves in trouble already for not believing this. We're not going to change his name. She didn't actually say it like that, but she said, no, his name is John. We learned a lesson here. And they said, what? There's no one in all your family by that name. John's not a family name. John? So they used gestures, gestures, to ask Zechariah what he wanted for the name. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone surprised, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. Amazing, isn't it? This is the Christmas story. Not usually included in the Christmas story. But this is the beginning of the Christmas story. Luke said, I'm going to begin at the beginning and I'm going to give you an accurate account of all that went on. And he began praising God and all fell on the whole neighborhood. The angel was right. Elizabeth had her baby. They named him John. Application for us. God is always faithful. And when God says something, he carries it out. Anything that he has said to you, any prophetic word, any scriptural promise that he has given you, he will faithfully carry it out. Don't short-circuit that by unbelief. Don't pay a costly price while he's carrying it out because you don't believe it. There's so many words coming to the church today about what God's going to do in these days ahead. And many churches are ignoring it or outright not accepting it. That's dangerous. That's costly. You know, I don't even have to say this, but I will. Great discernment needs to be used when we're hearing God's voice. But when we know it's God's voice, believe it. And he will, if we're open, he'll make sure we know it's him. These are the sheep of my pasture, and my sheep know my voice. If you don't know his voice, get to know it. If you don't know his voice, spend time with him. Hear him speak to you. Like in the hospital when he said to me, you're going to be here a while. Use this time to get to know me better. I, I said to you, Lord, I'm glad you didn't take something away from me for saying this. But I'm like, I've been a Christian for 41 years. Don't I know you? Take this time to get to know me what? Better. God does what he's going to do, what he says he's going to do. Amen. Let's pick this up again next week. We'll continue on with this story. It's going to lead into some interesting things that are more traditional Christmas story. So, Jamie, if you'll make your way forward to the mic to pray for us, close out the message. Band, if we're going to play some closing worship, will you come forward as well? And congregation, you have a role in this. Will you stand? We will pay attention to Jamie's prayer. When Jamie's done praying, we'll enter into worship. 
with animated and exuberant hearts to worship the Lord. Father, I want to give you great thanks for your word and the truth of your word. And Lord, thank you so much for uh, just this whole new way of looking at who you are and uh, realizing uh, just how perfect you really are through your word. And uh, to take something that seems simple like a Christmas message and uh, to bring light to it in this way, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, and ask that we would absorb as much of this as we possibly can handle and then to put it into action and work in our lives lord we we want to know and understand your voice better lord we want to know when we're visited by angels lord we want to know when your holy spirit comes to us and tells us things lord and we want to obey those things father not just walk away and then regret it later on lord but to truly have the courage and the strength to obey the things that you're putting in our lives for the better of mankind and for, for your honor and glory, Lord Jesus, because we know ultimately it leads to salvations and revivals, Father. So we're your vessels here, Lord, and, and we just want to be uh, full of you and your Holy Spirit, following your directions to a T, Lord. Yes, Lord. And not turning away from it, Lord, not, not backing down, but to accept the challenges that, that you bring before us because we know that you do what you say you're going to do and we can do what you say you're going to do as well as long as we're not afraid or as long as we don't walk away, Father. So strengthen your people today and through your word over the next couple weeks as we hear more on this, Lord, that we would just completely yield ourselves to you, Father, because we want to be those vessels who are, who are working for you, Father, and not for ourselves, Lord. Thank you so much. Just thank you so much for loving us that you uh, bring us and teach us a message like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.